Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. I want to welcome you today. It is a wonderful day to be able to worship. It is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, there was a tradition in the early church that happened, and that's where a speaker would uh, would say this phrase. He would say, he is risen, and the congregation would respond with, he is risen indeed. So I'm going to try that with us here today and uh, just respond in the enthusiasm that it deserves today. He is risen. He is risen. That was pretty good. Good job. You, you, did, you did well. Not quite as good as first service, but you did good. Uh, and it was a smaller service. So I, I, I don't know what the deal is there. You know, I love Resurrection Sunday. We call it Easter Sunday, but really it's Resurrection Sunday. Um, it ties in so well with the other service that maybe some of you have attended this year. That was Christmas Sunday, uh, Christmas uh, Eve service. Um, Christmas Eve is about a gift that is given to mankind. Resurrection Sunday is really about opening that gift and implementing that gift, the full culmination of that gift and how it affects the world. And so we today celebrate that. We celebrate the fullness of the gift of God given to mankind. And that's what we have. We have this idea that God gave us his incredible love. He poured it out to the world and the world, much of the world does not receive it. But today, I hope that you are in a place that you have received that gift of love that God has offered. Today, we are going to talk about this, this statement and this idea of rescue and what it all means. Before we get into that, let's pray and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, help us to hear from you. Help us to glorify you. Help us to be moved and touched by the love that you have poured out, the gift that you have given the world. For you so love the world that you gave your one and only, your begotten Son, you gave Jesus to this world so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I pray today that we would all have received that gift, that we're not just going through the motions today, that we are here to worship you with all of our heart in authenticity and genuineness. Father, as we talk about the fact that you rescued us from sin, as we look at Romans chapter 5 today, Teach us your truth and be here among us. We thank you, Father, for what you are going to do and what you have done. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. On September 4th, 1987, there was a story that happened. It was a true story. It was on a commuter flight from Portland, Maine, over to Boston. They were flying across the ocean, and there, were, uh, there was a pilot and a co-pilot in this plane. It was a cargo plane that was being flown. And uh, as they were going, the captain's name was Henry Dempsey. And Henry, as they had taken off and they were climbing uh, to, a, to a certain elevation, they were, he heard a noise. He heard a noise that troubled him, so he walked to the back of the plane to check out the noise. He turned to his co-pilot, said, I'm going to go check the noise. Uh, you're in charge. You're flying the plane. 
And so he walked back to the back. As he got near the back, he saw that the door had not fully closed when they got on the plane. And because of that, he heard this noise. As he was going to go back and fix this problem, make sure that door is completely latched, they hit an air pocket. It kind of bounced the plane up a little bit, threw Henry Dempsey against the door. The door swung open, and he was sucked out of the plane. They were at about 4,000 feet elevation. As soon as that happened, the co-pilot saw a red warning light come on the dash, and the warning light helped him to realize that there was a door that was open. He realized what had happened. He immediately radioed the closest airport and said, mayday, mayday, and they talked about the emergency that they had. He asked for, he said that the pilot had gone out in the ocean somewhere, please send a helicopter, a search team to look for him. He, as best he could, guided the plane down from 4,000 feet down to the closest airport. He landed on the airport. They were going about 200 miles per hour at the time when this event happened. They landed on the airport. As he, as he got out, he's, he, he unbuckled himself, got to the back of the plane. He found there the captain. The captain had fallen out, but he grabbed a hold of the, the ladder to climb up into the plane, and he held on to it with all of his strength. In fact, he kept his head up off of the, off of the uh, runway so that it did not get smashed as they were coming in for a landing. And it was a true story that had happened. The, the emergency crews got there, and they had a hard time just prying his fingers loose from the ladder that he had been holding on to, understandably so. He had had a tremendously powerful event happen in his life. A couple of days later during the press conference, he said, you know, things in life may feel turbulent and you may not feel like holding on, but have you considered the alternative? See, that's the whole thing in life. We are going through a life that is turbulent, that is uneasy, that feels just chaotic, and we are hanging on, not to a ladder on the side of an airplane, but we are hanging on to Jesus as we go through this world. We are not hanging on to a dead person in a tomb. We are hanging on to the living Savior who saved our lives that we can look to for the rescue that our hearts truly desire. Uh, by the way, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to tell any airplane stories because I have been begging my wife for decades now to let me get a, a pilot's license. And every time she hears something like this, she says, absolutely not. And so uh, she's not in this room. So I can't share that at the next service. But I wanted to share that with you here today. Today's message that we're going to talk about rescue, what we are going to look at in Romans chapter 5 is that God's unrivaled love provides and offers rescue. That's what it does. God's love to us offers us the opportunity to be rescued if we will receive it. You've probably heard the story before, the story of the guy who was in the middle of a flood zone. The floods came and hit where he was living. His house was starting to be underwater. And so he climbed to the top of his house and he began to pray, Lord, send me help. Lord, please rescue me. All of a sudden at that time, a boat came by and the boat uh, said, hey, climb down. We'll save you. We'll take you to dry land. He said, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. The Lord is going to rescue me. 
Well, then next that came by was a powerboat that came by, not a canoe that was rowing, but now it was a powerboat. Said the same thing, come down and we will rescue you. The floodwaters are rising. It's about to the top of your house. You're going to perish. No, the Lord is going to rescue me. I'm waiting on the Lord to rescue then a helicopter came by, dropped a ladder down to the top of the roof saying, climb up the ladder and we will rescue you. The man said, no, I have prayed and I am waiting on the Lord. The Lord is going to rescue me. So the helicopter flew away. Well, the man, the floodwaters rose and the man was swept away and he drowned, went to heaven. As he was in heaven, he came to the Lord and said, why didn't you rescue me? I prayed for you to rescue me. You haven't rescued me. He said, well, I sent you a boat to motorboat and a helicopter, what more do you need? That's the whole thing. God has offered rescue, but many of us just won't receive what God has offered. Today, I want you to receive it. I want you to be encouraged to receive it. The love that God has poured out is for the rescue of our souls. It's an incredible love. Did you know that love is what people are really searching for? They're hungry for love. They want to be loved, and the love that God offers is the love that is desperately needed in the heart of mankind. In this message today, we're going to learn three things. We're going to see the proof of God's love. We are going to see the provision of God's love, and then we are going to see the product of God's love. So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's start with this, the proof of God's love. What is proof? Proof means the evidence or the demonstration. What is the evidence of God's love? Well, he tells us, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, the evidence, the proof, the demonstration of God's love toward us says this, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is the proof of God's love? What is the evidence of God's love and the demonstration of God's love? Well, there are two things here. Number one, it is the gift God gave was sacrificial. And then secondly, the gift that God gave was unconditional. So it was sacrificial and it was unconditional. The gift God gave was sacrificial and it was unconditional. Look at the first line or the, actually the second line and the last line. It says this, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Final line, Christ died for us. That is the picture of what sacrifice is. Sacrifice is this, it is what God was willing to give up. Did you know that love can honestly be measured by what you're willing to sacrifice? You know how much you love your spouse by what you're willing to sacrifice for her or him. What are you willing to sacrifice for your spouse? Are you willing to sacrifice control of the TV? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to sacrifice of your time? Are you willing to sacrifice of your energy? Are you willing to sacrifice of your desires for her? A couple of years ago, my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. So I decided we are going to go on a trip, and I took my wife to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I sacrificed for her so that we could go and do a trip like that. 
because I love her so much. I was willing to sacrifice and pay the ultimate price. I suffered on the beach. I suffered in the beautiful views that we had because I love her. No, in reality, the sacrifice was the finances. That's what the sacrifice was. It was taking the time and spending the money. What is it that you're willing to sacrifice? Sacrifice is the ultimate picture of what love is and how much you're willing to give. Jesus gave his life. God gave his son. His son gave his life. In Galatians 2.20, it says this. Paul writes, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is therefore no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the faith of the, uh, of the Son of God, uh, that's what I live. He loved me and he gave himself up for me. He gave his life for me. That's the ultimate picture of what love is, that he was willing to give his life for you and I. But the life that God gives is not just a sacrificial thing, it's an unconditional love. I want you to notice the top line. He says this, when we were still without strength, Christ died. Do you know what the word without strength literally means in the Greek language? It means hopeless, helpless, and powerless. When God looked and he saw that the position that we were in was hopeless, we were helpless, and we were powerless, that's when Christ died for us. You know what that says to me is that it doesn't matter where we are at, no matter what we have done. Most people are very insensitive to who God is. They're insensate to God. It says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had no life of God within us. We couldn't pursue God. But even in that state, God died for us. Even when we were powerless. Even when we couldn't contribute anything. Even when we were completely lost, God still died. You know that there is not a pit that you can fall into, there is not a distance you can walk, there is not a height that you can go to that can remove you or separate you from the love of God. God is deeper than the deepest pit that you're in. He is further than the furthest distance that you can run away. God is still there. And his love for you is not just a sacrificial love, it's an unconditional love. He died just, just for us who were hopeless, powerless, who were uh, in a helpless state. And it says this, that he died when we were without strength in due time. The word in due time literally means at the exact right time. In the nick of time, he came to us in our desperate time of need. Maybe for you, that's today. Maybe you came today Maybe you came here kicking and screaming. Maybe you were dragged here. Maybe you just felt the urge to show up here. But right now in your life, you are in a desperate situation. Life is hopeless. You feel helpless. You feel powerless. And God is showing up to you at just the right time in order to save you. It's a really cool story. True story from Australia about a guy by the name of James Harrison. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, probably not, but James Harrison was known as the man with the golden arm. Now, why was he known as the man with the golden arm? Well, because he had given blood so often. That's why he was known as this. But not just because he had given blood so often, 
but because one of the components of the plasma in his blood contained the cure for a disease that had really been ravaging Australia, and especially newborns, not only in the womb, but also those who had just been born. This disease that was hitting them was having a deep impact upon Australia. It was causing many deaths of many children. Well, they found in the blood of James Harrison the antibody that would help to cure these children. And so, starting in the 1960s, for 60 years, every week, he gave blood. 1,000, over 1,000 times that he would give his blood. And they estimate that because he gave his blood, that it saved 2.4 million children. That's amazing. At the right time, in the right place, with the right antibodies, he was able to give and cause salvation, saving their physical lives to happen. How much more so did Jesus do when he gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice in just the right time? Again, maybe for you that time is today. He paid the price. There was a story that I'd heard out of Plano, Texas, and the story happened with a guy whose name was, um, his name was Hayden Carlo. Now, now Hayden Carlo had, uh, had some tough times in life. He was driving down the road and he was going a little bit too fast. His, he wasn't thinking, going a little bit too fast. All of a sudden, a police officer clocked him and pulled up behind him with his, with his lights on. He felt panicked as he knew he was going to be pulled over, not because of getting a ticket, but because he knew he had no money to pay the ticket. As the police officer came up to the vehicle, he asked what every police officer asked in that situation, license and registration, please. Well, Hayden pulled out both the license and the registration, handed it to this guy. The officer looked at the license and said, okay, that looks good. He looked at the registration and he realized that the registration had expired. And so he said to Hayden, uh, did you realize your registration has expired? Well, Hayden began to tell him the story of why it was expired. And he said, essentially these words, just about two weeks ago, I lost my job. And it was, it, he was not blowing smoke. It was a true story that he was telling. I, I lost my job. And he said, I had a tough decision to make, either pay for the registration for the vehicle or feed my children. And I chose to feed my children. Well, the officer said, you, you realize that this is going to cause you to have a ticket and this is going to carry a fine with it. And he said, could you please just have mercy on me at this time? Could you just give me a, a warning? So being a kind, wonderful police officer, what do you think he did? He wrote him a ticket. That's what he did. <laughs> Went back to the vehicle. His, his squad car wrote him a ticket, brought the ticket back. It was all folded up, handed it to him, said, I'm sorry. Here's your ticket. I, I hope your day gets better. And then the officer got in the car and pulled away. Hayden was just distraught, thinking, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't pay this. I know it's a $100 fine because I know what it is. I, cannot, I don't have $100 to pay this. Well, as the officer pulled away, he just sat there thinking, contemplating, grieving. Then he opened the ticket, and he not only saw the ticket, but the officer had put a $100 bill in it and said, You've got a ticket, but here's the money to pay it. Do, do you know that that's exactly what Jesus did? He wrote the ticket. There's a consequence. Here's the punishment. I'm going to pay it for you. That's 
the, that, that is the proof of God's love. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. It came at just the right time when I absolutely need it the most. Secondly, we're going to look at the provision of God's love. What does provision mean? What does it provide? What, is the, what does God provide through his love? Well, let's look at this. Verses 9 and 10. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved, that's rescued, from wrath through him. For, it, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved, we shall be rescued by his life. This is the provision of what does God's love provide? It provides rescue. That's what it provides. It provides salvation. Did you know that the wrath of God is real? The wrath of God is throughout the Bible. There is a real wrath of God, a judgment that is going to come. However, if you are a believer in Christ, you don't have to worry about God's wrath. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said this, Most assuredly, he says, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. So if you and I trust in him simply, authentically, and wholeheartedly, we have escaped the wrath of God. It's not going to be an issue. You don't have to worry about it. That's not true for everybody, though. In John chapter 3, verse 36, it says this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There are two camps in the Bible. Camp number one, those who have believed in God and don't have to worry about the wrath of God. Camp number two, those who have not, not believed in God and the wrath of God is still on them. What camp are you in? Are you in the camp that says, I believe you, Jesus, I'm walking in you, I trust in you, or are you in the camp that says, you know what, I don't believe it at all? If you are, the wrath of God is still there. For the believer, it's not an issue. For the unbeliever, it's a huge issue. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on the world. For the believer, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. Do you know that Jesus took the brunt of God's wrath for us. He took all of God's wrath for us. There's a true story that happened in, back in 2004. In 2004, in the little town in Iraq, the town was called Hiusabah. Uh, in this little town, there was a group of Marines. There was a Marine corporal whose name was Jason Dunham. He and his squad were checking out the convoy of vehicles. They were searching all of the convoys, stopping all of the cars, looking for bombs, looking for devices, looking for weapons, uh, looking for terrorists, etc. Well, they saw in the convoy, they saw a white uh, Toyota Land Cruiser. And they could see that in the backseat of this Land Cruiser that there were all kinds of weapons that were there. The weapons, the AK-47s, they saw all of it in the backseat. Well, instantly, they yelled at the driver, get out of the vehicle. The driver got out, but the driver started to run. So the corporal, Corporal Dunham, chased after him, tackled him down. As he was wrestling with him, the terrorist had a grenade in his hand, pulled the pin, threw it on the ground. Jason Dunham, in just 
selfless thinking, covered the grenade with his helmet, and then covered his helmet with his body. In doing so, it exploded and killed him. But it saved the life of all of his squad, even the terrorist himself. Do you know that Jesus jumped on the grenade for us? We're the ones that pulled the pin, but he jumped on the grenade in order to save us. That is the provision of God's love. It's the way that God saves mankind. I have an analogy that I want to give you here. And I've, some of you have seen this before, so just bear with me if you've seen it. But here's what I have. I've got a rope here. And this rope, I want you to pretend this, that this rope is the picture of the timeline of your life. Now, I want you to picture that this rope just stretches on throughout that wall, and it stretches on for eternity. This is your timeline. You're an eternal being that God has created that you will live for eternity. In that living for eternity, there is a destination that you are headed to. Now, in your life today, your life today, the small sliver of your life, the book of James says it's a mist. It's a vapor, meaning here one day, gone the next. It's very, very short. This is what your life today looks like. It's this little blue piece on the end. This is where you're at today. Here's where you were born. Here's where you'll die. Here's where you are somewhere in the middle today. Some of you are closer to the birth stage. Some of you are closer to the death stage. We don't know. We don't know when our end is coming. But this is our life. This is what you have on earth. Birth, death, somewhere in between. Stretching out from here is eternity. Goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on forever and ever and ever. The decisions you make today affect your eternity. Either you make a decision for Christ and you escape the wrath, or you reject him and you find yourself under the wrath, but your life will continue to go on and on and on. Most of us live this little brief life for ourselves, focused on our selfish pleasures, but God wants us to live it for him. Instead of looking at the here and now as this is what matters, start looking at eternity and realizing that that's what matters. Are you under the wrath of God? Have you escaped the wrath of God? Have you believed in his son or have you rejected his son? That is the provision of God's love. Finally, let's look at the product of God's love. Chapter five, verse 11. What is the product? Here's what it says. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We rejoice. What does rejoicing mean? It means to be full of joy. That is the product. That's what God's love does in our lives. Do you know that every person wants to be happy? I have not met a single person who does not want to be happy. People want to feel happy, so they will do things to try to make themselves happy. The product of God's love in the life of a believer is true and authentic joy. That's what the gospel produces. It produces an overwhelming sense of joy. Joy that I can finally be satisfied. I can finally be happy. I finally found my contentment. Has, has it produced that kind of joy in you? Nobody wants to be in despair. Nobody wants to be discouraged. Nobody wants to be depressed. 
When you come to Christ, the natural byproduct of that is you start to experience a joy that it doesn't even make sense sometimes. The world is trying to sell you on joy. You know, that there's whole industries built upon making people happy. Whole industries built upon, around joy. You want joy? Then use the right shampoo. You'll have joy. That's why I have such a full head of hair, because I use the right shampoo, and I have joy. You want joy? Use our hand cream. You want joy? Then sleep on our mattress. You want joy? Then use the right pillow. You want joy? Then buy this automobile. Even, even something like Preparation H. I don't know if you've seen these commercials, but a guy at the beginning of the commercial is miserable and in despair, but by the end of the Commercial, he's full of joy and happy because you use the product. The problem is the world's idea of joy will never satisfy. Thomas Aquinas said this. Listen to these words. No man can live without joy. That is why one who is deprived of spiritual joy goes looking for carnal pleasures. Did you understand what he meant? If you don't have spiritual joy, you will go looking for joy in ways that will be carnal pursuits. That means worldly pleasures. In fact, if you see somebody trying to fill themselves up with worldly pursuits, you can assume they have never experienced the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is the ultimate expression of getting right with God. It's not the joy of a, buying a new car. That is so superficial compared to what the joy of the Lord is. It is an overwhelming, extreme, incredible joy that God provides in the depths of our hearts despite what's going around, on around us. That is the product of God's love. We have the proof that is he gave his life. We have the provision. He jumped on the grenade. We have the product that is joy in my heart for the very first time. So the question of today, as we conclude this message, is this. Have you experienced the Savior like that? Have you accepted his gift of love, knowing that he loves you no matter where you're at, no matter how far you've fallen? Maybe you've walked away from God. You're like the prodigal son. You've you said, God, give me what is mine, and you've walked away from him and abandoned him, and you're doing things right now that, that he is not happy with. Do you know that he still loves you? He doesn't love what you're doing. God, don't ever mistake that. God does not love our sin, but he loves you regardless. Maybe that's you today. You've walked away from God, and it's time for you to come back, just like that prodigal son. Maybe you've never received him, and you're just in the depths, in the pit. Maybe you've run away. Maybe you're trying to pursue things that will never fulfill you. And today is the day that God is just putting on your heart, don't miss this opportunity. This is the due time. This is the moment where you in the quietness of your heart, just with God alone, it's just with him, you say, God, I'm sorry. I need you. I want you in my life. I want you to rescue me from that wrath. I want to receive your gift that you've offered to me, your sacrifice. You brought it to me even though I didn't deserve it. God, I want to receive it. And maybe today, maybe this moment is the moment where you make that ultimate decision 
to say, I'm going to quit living for the here and now, and I'm going to start living with an eternal perspective. Let's pray as we close. Father, I want to pray for those in this room right now that in this time, in this moment, in this very moment, I believe, Lord, in this due time, in the right time, that you are working on some specific hearts, that you're saying to specific people, it's time that you accept me. It's time that you quit running. It's time that you quit denying. It's time that you quit performing. It's just time that you receive me. And for anyone today, Lord, that you're doing that, you're, you're talking to them right now, I, I, I pray for them, Lord, that they would respond to you just saying, Lord, I need you. Please forgive me and help me, Lord, to follow you. Please come into my life and save me. Lord, for anyone willing to make that decision, I just pray that you would confirm in their hearts, Lord, that they are your children. Lord, there may be some that have known you, but they've walked away and they've been just running from you. And maybe it's time to come back. Or whatever it is, however you want to work on us, just work on our hearts. Father, we thank you for, that we can celebrate this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that you gave of your life as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. But the grave could not hold you. You rose from that grave. Death is defeated. And you are the first fruits of the rest who will follow. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your gift. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.